What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 114 of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight we are going so far back in the vault. Like, I, we, we really could not go much further back in the vault without recovering the pilot. So we're covering Chicago <laughs> Fire episodes 110 and 111, aka the Flocko episodes, aka the time the Ambo got hit, um, aka- Dossie's the, almost kiss. Yeah, aka that, aka Christmas. the first time they tried to kill Shay. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of big moments in this. The beginning of Milson. Yeah, this the is very, like the beginning yes. of Milson. Yeah, the so meet, much happening. Casey's mom. Yes, there's so much like iconic stuff that happens in these episodes. I forgot that all of this important stuff happened. Literally, we were only focusing on these episodes for the Flacco stuff. Yeah, and then all this other stuff happened, and it was like, oh, we can't not talk about it all. And it's things that we've never really talked about on the podcast either. Like, we've never talked about Casey and his mom and sister. Uh, we've never obviously really touched on Flacco. Like, so much stuff. I don't think we've ever really touched on Severide's pill problem. No, and there's so much to talk about with that, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yes. A ton of stuff. But before we get into the episode, we've got two weeks of news worth to talk about. I like important news too. This is like actual scoop of the season's promos. Like, oh my God, all the news. So much news. Okay, so again, this is two weeks worth of stuff. So it's not necessarily in chronological order, but like, don't worry, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Bryna, would you like to kick us off? Yes. So in one of TV lines, Matt Inside Lines, I want to say this is like two weeks ago. Again, I don't remember the exact day. There were two things of One Chicago Scoop. So the question, this question was, when will Chicago PD's Kim Burgess and consequently Kevin and Adam become detectives? There's even a deleted scene talking about it. Will we see any movement in season seven? And this answer from Rick Ide says, it's sort of one of those things that every year we were talking about the detective exam. Um... Uh, he admits before noting that 80% of the people assume they're all detectives anyways, but technically those three are not detectives and there's a chance one, two, or three of them will in fact become detectives. Uh, I have a question. What, where is this deleted scene and why haven't we seen it? Or why haven't I seen it? I've missed it. I feel like it was from last year. Damn it. I feel like I, I vaguely kind of remember... Or maybe it was even two years ago. I don't. I don't know. Do we? But like, to, like, I feel like this is just. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just no. I was just gonna say like I feel like this is just Rick eyed like, kind of just bullshitting and being like, oh, there's a chance one or two or all three of them could in fact become detectives, but we don't really know yet, and like, I, not sure if we're ever gonna address it. Who knows? Yeah, I take that to mean in subtext. We don't care. We're not dealing with it. Whatever. Right. Or at least not dealing with it right now. It's not on our radar. It's not something we're really talking about. It should be on the radar. I know it should be. Um, But yeah, so I don't really read that much into that. But the second part, the second one I thought was interesting. So this question was from Laurel. 
and it said to TV line is what is going to happen to Chicago meds hybrid OR, which is a great question. Um, and this says, the scoop says, it's not going anywhere, even though it's mastermind, Connor is leaving. As for the doc's exit, Donald tells TV Line that shooting his farewell episode, aka the season five premiere, was a, quote, long, emotional couple of days, but it was great. I'm glad we got the chance to wrap up the storyline. I think it's going to be really cool for the fans. Donald also says Connor's story ends on a bittersweet note, and that all will be cleared up about what Ava did or did not do. It's not going to be really cool for the fans. It sucks. No, none of us are happy. I don't know why Colin thinks that any of us are, like, cool with this, because we're not. We're but. not. No. But I am, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm glad to know the hybrid OR is going to be sticking around. Like, does that mean another doctor's coming in to use it? Well, that, uh, what's his face? Um, Marcel Crockett, the new doctor, he might be coming in to use oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. It seems like it yeah. would be so useful, or useless, for the, or bleh, not the right word. It seems like it would be so wasteful for them to tear down the hybrid OR after all the hell they went through to put it up. Right, which is, again, I mean, we won't get too much into this, because we could literally spend an hour on this part alone, but it's why it's so stupid that Colin's being written out, because there's so many stories that could be told with the hybrid OR and Connor's the reason we have the hybrid OR. Preach. Yeah. Yep. So that, that is all for this TV is lines. Be, Matt. I feel like this is going to be the med version of me not being over Linstead. And like every time we <laughs> see Colin in something, we're going to be like, he had the hybrid OR. He was just getting over his father's death. And then Ava went and went psycho. And it's just not okay. He could have been happy with Robin. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. Or no, he could have been happy with Nina. Sure, it's not okay. Yeah, they could have fallen in love and run away together. Rescued all the dogs. Like, it, we could have, you know, the whole thing. Yep. Yes. It will it will be, though. This will be our men version of Linstead. Yes. So every time a rerun comes on, we will put it on Instagram and be like, this is not okay. Not okay. Nope. Nope. So the next bit of news we have is a bit of casting news. This is also from TV Line. Michael Beach is coming in to play a crime boss on Chicago PD season seven. So here's the blurb about it. uh, Beach joins the NBC drama as Darius Walker, a Chicago crime boss who's working to revitalize his African-American community. Ide says that he's a businessman, a drug dealer, and philanthropist, and and he's good at all of them, and he takes them all seriously. He's a guy who uses his profits from his drug business to funnel back into urban communities and literally help innovative and ambitious young entrepreneurs. So he sounds like a drug dealer version of what's his name price price pierce wendell pierce price where's my brain tonight goodness so much to digest that's where your brain is um yeah he just kind of sounds like a different version like like you said like a drug dealer version of price which is interesting like i'm really curious to see how that goes down Mm -hmm. and how that plays into it um and like what kind of relationship like, he's coming on, I'm assuming, in, like, a recurring role. Yeah, it sounds like sort. it. So, like, I would assume that means he has some sort of relationship with intelligence, or at least Voight, which would be interesting, because we haven't seen Voight have that kind of relationship with bad, quote-unquote, bad people in a while. Like, that kind of goes back to, like, season one Voight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be interesting, if that is who 
the two characters that have a relationship. I don't know. Could be interesting. I'm 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 excited. Yeah, and I know both of us were excited about the casting news just because we both remember Michael Beach from other roles and other things, and we both yeah are and fans. I, yeah, yeah, and I got to interview him earlier this year, and he's just the nicest guy. So that's awesome. He was on Third Watch. I remember him as the paramedic doc from Third Watch in like the late '90s, and I always refer to Third Watch as the OG one, Chicago. So. It's yeah, you have. I've never seen it, but full you do refer. You can't find it anywhere, which is such a bummer because it was so good. Is it not even on like DVD anywhere? Like, no. Like you can only find like one season here or there, but it never like strings together into all the seasons. But Kim Raver was in it. She was another paramedic. Um, yeah, it's like that. Oh, it's like that Tori DeVito show from like the ABC. I think it was on ABC Family from like the mid two thousands. Like I've tried to find that like everywhere, and I cannot find it. Tori was on an ABC Family show in the mid two thousands. Yeah, it's like Tori. It's called Beautiful People. Let's see. It's like Tori, and I want to say Peter Herman. What? I I could be wrong about that. I like vaguely remember that title, but not very much. It's. I mean, it was like small. It was like not long. Um, it's like Daphne's the other. Who played Brooke's mom on Winter Hill? Daphne Zuniga. Zuniga? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's her, Tori DeVito, oh, Jackson Rathbone, maybe not Peter Herman. I could be wrong on that one. But it's like 16 episodes, and I can't find it anywhere. Peter Herman, Jackson Rathbone, Twilight, Younger, one's married to Marishka, you know, so close. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. I also remember Michael Beach from The 100, but we don't really talk about that because his character was kind of terrible and manipulated Bellamy to do bad things but whatever yeah elsewhere Bryna will you take us through the next bit please yes so there was more casting news that hasn't really it didn't it kind of blew up in some circles because but it didn't really make it totally online it was a soap opera digest interview with this guy named Austin Peck and I already forgot which soap opera he was on I want to say I don't even know. I'm not even going to try to guess that. <laughs> um, and they were just asking him, I guess, on, like, what other kind of projects he's on. And he said, his answer was, I'm doing a recurring role on Chicago Fire. He's a very interesting character. His name is Chad. He's a character that brings some levity to a very intensely driven show. And then he says, you know, the cast and crew couldn't be nicer. Like, it's been a wonderful experience, blah, blah, blah. So, like, is this guy in the firehouse? Is he not in the firehouse? Like, his answer is just so ambiguous. Yeah, and he had posted something on Instagram, but it was, like, I think it was just, like, a selfie from his trailer or something. I don't know. It was very, like, quick news that, like, I think people just caught whiff of it and were like, oh, what? Oh, never mind. Okay, whatever. Um, Right. It's like, I feel like you only caught whiff of it if you were, like, also a soap opera fan and, like, kind of read Soap Opera Digest and, like, keep up with that world. But, like, nobody else picked it up. Like, TV Line didn't pick it up. Like, no one else picked it up. So, like, I I mean, he's not lying, but, like... Oh. I don't know much. I don't know anything. Um, Bryna, he is not part of just one soap or two, three, three soap operas. Hang on. Oh, yes. So he was on Days of Our Lives off and on from 95 to 2018, did a oh, brief shit. stint on As the World Turns from 07 to 09, and then also popped over to One Life to Live from 2011 to 2012. So I was thinking of Dates of Our Lives because that's the one he was most recently on. But, like, still. Aren't those pretty Damn. much, like, the only three soap operas left? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. 
I know nothing about soap operas. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's from those three. And then I'm also looking at his IMDb and everything else. Um, okay. Breaking Dawn. He was in a movie called Breaking Dawn that was not the Twilight movie. Um, oh, I was just going to say, the, you mean the Twilight movie? Nope. Um, let's see. He did an episode of CSI New York. Let's see. So he's been around. You gotta love the soap operas and how they air daily, right? Because on As the World Turns, he was only on from 07 to 09, but on IMDb it says 331 episodes. (laughs) Soap opera problems. Damn. I know. I know. Damn. That's so funny. Oh, wait. Okay, so Days of Our Lives from 95 to 2018, 499 episodes. So he did almost... That's wild. He almost did as many episodes on whatever the other one was that aired in two years as he did on the other one that aired literally pretty much the span of my life. What would we even do if these were like, if these were daily shows? Like, how would we podcast that? I want to know. I'm sure there are soap opera podcasts. Yeah, they probably sum up like each week, right? I would imagine so. I would assume so. I don't think anyone's that crazy enough to daily podcast. Well, I mean, they are, but like. And if you're out there and you daily podcast, more power to you, please share your secrets because that shit takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. Yes. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So we'll see what Austin has to bring. I'm excited for all these new people coming in. Yeah. I'm just curious, like I said, is he fitting in the firehouse? Are we adding to engine? Are we, I I don't know. Not in the firehouse. I I don't know. Interesting. So... Elsewhere, Joe Minoso did an interview on No Filter with Zach Peter. Was this a podcast? What was this? Yeah, it was a podcast. It was from back in early July. Like, it posted around the time we posted our Jason Crothers interview, like, way a long time ago. I don't know how we missed this, but. Um, Hey, Joe, if you're looking for another podcast to come on to, I know of one that might be cool. Right, especially one that probably actually knows your show and like knows what you're ta- what knows what they're talking about. So I hear they actually know, you know the shows pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, you know, just an idea. Uh, there was nothing really new in this blurb except that it was interesting to hear that there apparently was talk in season one about writing crews out. Yeah, because apparently the writers were concerned, which oddly enough, I obviously listened to this before we picked this week's episode, but like the writers were concerned if fans would still continue to support him after they know he killed Flacco. After they knew he killed Flacco. That's really funny because that's the episode we're talking about tonight, obviously, like you said. I think, and we'll get more into this when we get into the episode, but I think Casey's reaction might have had a lot to do with the way the fans went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, we'll save this all for the episode. But I just thought that was interesting because I'd never heard anyone say that before, that, like, Cruz was almost never, like, a thing after season one. Could you imagine? No, I couldn't. But, like, yeah, wild. We would have rioted. Yeah. Well, I probably wouldn't have known different. Like, you, as, like, a someone who was viewing it week to week, probably would have rioted. Maybe even not because it was so new that, yeah. like, it, you know, whatever. But, like, I probably would have not known it. I mean, I wouldn't have known any different. I would have always known that he was only on for a little bit of time and, like, you know, mm-hmm. then moved on. 
Yeah. So, so. interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, the first official podcast meetup is happening. What? What? I yeah I wow um so we're calling it meet up at Molly's <laughs> see what we did there <laughs> um so September twentieth the day before con starts right yeah this is the Friday before the con starts seven p.m. at the hotel bar located in the center of the Marriott Magnificent Mile there is a Facebook invite up on our page on our Facebook page um, I think it's also on Twitter as well Instagram too. Last I checked this invite, there were about 160 people who were either going or interested in going. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it'll be that big. I mean, I would love for everyone who is interested in to come, but, like, I don't know if it'll actually be that big. But I think it's going to be great, and it'll be a lot of fun. We want to see you. We want to meet you. Like, we just want to talk and have fun. And so please feel free to drop by. Um, you know, we'll be the ones in the Meet Us at Molly shirts, so you can't miss us. But yeah, I mean, we want to see you. We want to meet you. We want to say hi. So feel free to drop by if you're at con. Yes, please. Also, maybe I should let the staff know there. Like, hey, you might have a lot of people on Friday night. Yeah, we'll, say, we'll save that for like two weeks from now when we <laughs> have a better idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Brian, take us through the next bit, please. Okay. So, do we even need to now discuss that, like, first promo? Because there was no real new footage in it, but I do love the song they used. I don't know what it's called, but I do love the song they used. Yeah, we still haven't found the song, have we? No, I forgot to look. Yeah, so the first promo that dropped, we were like, oh my god, new promo. But again, nothing new. The song was good. But then, like, what, maybe, like, three hours before we started recording on this day? Yeah. We were recording on Wednesday? Um, they tried to be real sneaky and give us a promo with new footage and try and, like, sneak it in under the radar. Nice try. Yeah, because we're, like, we're not going to discuss this. Although I would have been so pissed if it had dropped tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday, like, and we had already recorded. I would have been so pissed. Brenna, I'm scared. Gina. I, like, okay, so when you first sent it to me... I was, like, on my way to babysitting and, like, picking up the kids that I babysit from school. And so I didn't really have time to watch it. And I was, like, oh, this is new. But, like, okay, cool. And then I, like, finally watched it on the way home. And I was, like, oh, my God. I'm scared. Okay. I don't even know what we should talk about first. Let's talk about let's talk about the med first. Let's talk about it in, like, chronological order. Let's talk about med first. Okay. Okay. I mean – it's really only all you really see. They really focus on like the Will and Natalie of it all, and the fact that like Natalie got really hurt after she got hit by a car, and Will is also pretty badly injured. There are so many parts of this promo that kill me in the med portion. Okay, first off, I mean Will carrying Nat into med. Like first off, you know you know exactly where his head is at, and like the desperation and everything. And it's like oh, ugh. and, and then. The, the- so the high quality still from TV line, which we'll talk about in a second, in their like fall TV promo of Will Carey Natalie in the hospital, it's like, oh my god, he's like so determined. You can see it in his eyes. He's so determined to get her to safety and like get her help, and it's just like, oh my god, it kills me. Y'all can't see this right now, but I'm totally sad facing at the computer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, but also too, I think 
you know, this is kind of the interesting dynamic of Manstead too, is like they have these moments like this where I'm like, see it. And I'm like, oh my God, I ship them so hard. Like I just need them to be together and whatever. And then when they're annoying and kind of in their like daily routine and you know, whatever, I'm like, fuck, I hate Manstead. Like what is happening? But that's just such the interesting dynamic of Manstead. They have these moments where I absolutely love them and just want nothing more than for them to be together. And then they have these moments where I'm like, get these two as far apart from each other. They are terrible for each other. I can't stand them. And I just think this promo kind of really highlighted that for me. Absolutely. And I feel like, I feel like Will is like that sibling who is awful and annoys the shit out of you. But the minute someone else messes with him, you're like, oh, hell no. See, I feel like that for Natalie, not necessarily Will. I mean, I do feel like that about Will to an extent, but I feel like that about Natalie more. Like, Natalie, I hate her 10 million, like, probably 70% of the time, I hate Natalie. I, like, can't stand Natalie and anything she does. But, like, the minute she got hit by that car, or they got hit by the car, and she, like, fell out, and now seeing this promo, I'm like, oh, don't you fucking dare mess with her. I just... uh uh-uh, uh, no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And so the the minute, like from the time the promo starts, and you see Will carrying her in. To me, Will is just a puppy dog, right? And I'm like, protect him at all costs. This is killing me. And then the promo goes on, and like, so yeah, it looks like he like either collapses or he like passes out or whatever. But the other killer about that is that it's Elsa and Connor. Do you know how badly it hurts to see Connor knowing he's leaving? I know. I know. I know. It kills me. Oh, it man. kills me. It hurts. And I like part of me on my drive home from work today was like, I hope they're not keeping him around just to be like the guy who catches Will just because Elsa's too small. But like, it hurts to see Connor and know that he's leaving. I know it really does. And to see him be there for Will, like all these like romance type moments. I'm like, come on. This is what we were missing from the first four seasons. Yeah. So like, why are we give getting it to this us. now? You're going to give it to us now. In the last 32 minutes of our lives. And yeah. ship it off. Rude. Right. Rude. Right. We're going to get 42 minutes of it and then no more. Yeah. Just just rude. Rude. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, so, so I mean, you're protective over Natalie. I'm protective over Will. So together... We are keepers of the Manstead. <laughs> yeah. But then watch in like probably, I'm going to give it seven episodes. I will like be like, fuck this. I'm so over Manstead and their shit. Like, okay. But I, I had a moment today because I mean, after this promo dropped, one Chicago Twitter got dark and I was like, all right, listen, I can't blame you people. Like you're dark, you're twisted and I love you. But my <laughs> brain started ticking too. And I was like, Tori hasn't posted any behind the scenes stuff. And I was like, they Don't wouldn't care. kill her, would they? They're getting rid of two main characters this season. Don't you dare. Well, okay. But, and then the thing that brought me back to reality, and I was like, they wouldn't kill her, is that she's front and center in the promo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the promo, which... True. Very true. But it's totally yeah. not I also a valid think... reason. Yeah, I also just don't think they're killing three or taking away three main characters this season to start off the season. Like, that would be... I don't know, man. Remember on Grey's when they killed Lexi and Mark in two episodes? Right. But we already have two. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Anywho. Okay, so that's the med portion of it. Will's a puppy dog. Protect him at all costs. Right. Then we move on to the fire portion of it, which, like, holy shit. I'm so scared. 
I mean, pretty much like the biggest thing, there's like not really much you can see. I don't know why people are saying certain things because I swear I tried slowing it down so much and I couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Really, all you hear is like firemen down. Like that's really the only like important part of this is like firemen down. Which like I was not expecting because I think I think I was probably a little too cavalier in my thinking. And I was like, whatever, this will be like the whole my miracle thing. And they'll all get out alive. No big deal. God, I hope. I mean, I hope so. But like. I know. I know. And I tweeted out. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying I tweeted out. I was like, okay, but who's the firefighter down? Like, I need to know this. And the bulk of the responses from our listeners were they, they all think it's Otis. I know. I hope it's not Otis because, like, kill me now. Like, dear Lord, I will not handle that well. But I had seen that even before this promo drop only because people haven't seen Yuri. I don't know if we've seen Yuri at all, like, in anything. It's true. Yeah, and again, this is we've where... We've Chica- literally everyone else. Yeah, yeah. This is literally where one Chicago Twitter went dark and, like, my brain started ticking because at first it was Natalie and then I was like, Otis? And it's true. I mean, we haven't really seen Yuri behind the scenes. I definitely did a creep of his Instagram after I saw the tweets today because I, that's what adults do. Not really. Um, but all I remember was the selfie that he posted. There was a selfie he posted, I think, either early in August or maybe end of July. And it looked like he was in dress blues. And yeah, I know. Okay, the date's July 20th because I'm definitely scrolling his Instagram right now because this is what normal people do. Um, Yeah, he's in dress blues. So I don't know. Um, There's that. And then what does that mean? I I don't know. Was there another firehouse on the scene of that fire? God, I haven't seen that episode since it aired. I don't I, I don't know. If there was another firehouse, it could be another fireman from another house who's hurt. Well, and someone even tweeted, and I don't remember who it was, someone tweeted, like, oh, what if it was somebody from Injun that's not Ritter or Herman? Like, what if it's just, like, an unnamed Injun guy? I like that idea. I do. Um, and then right. And then that goes so dark with the Otis thing, but, like, it is a decent point. Like, someone can't, like, you know. It is a good theory, but I hope it stays just that. I hope it stays just a theory. But then the darkness kind of became contagious, right? Because then Yuri posted a picture on August 4th where he basically bought a food truck to come feed the crew one day. And so I saw this. Oh, I saw this and I was like, hey, cool. Like he got a food truck for the crew. How nice of him. And then the dark sun in my brain was like, as a parting gift. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. So this is, this is, and I guess like the only other reason I keep thinking Otis, and oh, now that I've seen this, I keep thinking Otis is just because we have so many people coming to play on fire. Like we have the Shadowhunters guy, we have potentially Austin Peck, whether he's in the firehouse or not. Like, who are all these people going to replace? Valid point. Valid point. And like, if they're grooming Shadowhunters, dude, I forget his name. Alberto, that's the same. Um, if they're grooming him, if the whole point is that, like, Casey, Sebright, and Herman are looking for a new recruit and, like, going and, like, grooming him, 
why are they doing like why like where is he fitting in right i don't know i have so many who questions. was the last candidate it was ritter right yeah right Ritter, ritter's still technically the candidate But, like, there's not a, necessarily a vacancy on truck. True. Daniel's been on set, so I'm not too concerned about Ritter. They've all been on set. Yeah. Everybody, because even Joe, I mean, Joe just got that new role in that Epic series. I think it's Epic. Um, whatever. Get Shorty. That's the actual name of it. But, like, he just got that, and so I don't know how that'll work, but Joe's been on set. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know that Joe's live. Yeah, this is interesting. And now she's been on set. Like, literally everyone's been on set but Yuri, or at least that we know. only other bit that I was trying to read into was that it sounds like Cruz yelling firefighter down. Yeah, it does. And it's Cruz. Cruz was with Sev, right? I think so. But, like, don't touch Severide. Don't. It's not okay. I don't think you're touching Severide. Um... The other thing that I think was interesting from that promo that people keep claiming they see is that Brett and Foster fall through the floor. I didn't realize that that was Foster and Brett, and I still don't, I can't see that that's them. But I do, they were upstairs, right? Because they had come from outside in. I think so. So it could, I'm not saying that those theories are wrong but i just didn't see that that was clearly them Mm -hmm. but like i do think brett and foster if i remember correctly came from outside in so it would make sense that they're like upstairs but someone did fall through the floor that is confirmed i'm scared yeah i'm fucking scared yeah i'm scared more scared than when stella and otis got shot like more i'm i'm scared i'm like really scared oh yeah yeah like I'm an idiot for sitting back thinking like, oh, it's premiere night. We'll just sit back and kind of like let the season build on itself. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. And remember that time when the um, list of deaths, I don't remember the, oh, May sweeps. And you were like, oh, yeah, remember, like everyone's dead, but they're not actually dead. It'll all be cleared up by the end of, nope, no. This is the second time in fire history that that scorecard has had like, 15 spots dedicated to Chicago Fire as, like, potential fatalities. I'm like, can we not? Right, but, right, but when, it, when it happened, you were like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Everyone's going to be safe. No. No. That's not how this goes. Not this okay, time. I, at least we think that's not how this goes. No. Nope. <sighs> okay. The PD oh, portion. PD. The PD portion. Um, it's a lot of, so you hear someone at the crime scene, like you see the crime scene, you see Kelton's body, and then you hear Jay talking to Voight, and Jay's like, they found all your fingerprints, like, all over his house, like, what were you doing there? And it's a lot of Jay and Voight tension. Yeah. At least everybody should, in theory, be making it out of that premiere alive. Knock on wood. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Alive, yes. In jail, eh, to be determined. I like to think that that's going to be a fake out. And the reason that Voight's fingerprints were all over the place is because Anne Heche's character called him after she killed Kelton. I really hope yes. that's the case, but I don't know. I'm also the same person who was like, Voight would never murder Justin's killer. <clears throat> I'm the reason why we can't have nice things. 
Yeah, I I think that one's gonna be a fake out too, but I I, I have no idea anymore about anything. So I know. So <laughs> elsewhere, we got some crossover scoop, and this crossover scoop has kind of been coming. From... Wait, Gina, 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 you forgot the TV line fall preview. All those ah, things. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, backtrack. <laughs> So we also got a TV line preview, and this came down today, today being Wednesday, um, with just some little previews of what the season premieres are going to be. Now, Bryna, you got to take us through Fire and Med, because I remember some of the bits about PD. Okay. So Fire, and again, this is TV line's like big fall TV spoiler preview thing. So... Fire's description reads, coming off a potentially explosive cliffhanger finale, the season eight opener titled Sacred Ground is going to be rough and devastating and as brutal as we've ever done in a premiere. Showrunner Derek Hawthorne's. It's going to have fallout that's going to stretch beyond the premiere. In parentheses, the words really deadly were also used to describe the situation. Given what happened... <laughs> <laughs> Given what happens, Casey has more important matters on his mind than Brett's surprise engagement to Chaplin Kyle. Meanwhile, newly reunited lovebirds Stella and Severide will be rocks for each other while they're dealing with other feelings and emotions and new responsibilities. They're gonna kill Otis. Okay, don't go, don't go there. And then there's like a bonus spoiler, which is just more about um, Alberto Rosende's character. He's a very high. Or very energetic, high-risk firefighter that they see from another company. And the three of them, being Casey, Severide, and Herman, have to decide, would this guy be a good fit at 51? Especially in the face of what we see in the first episode. That's going to be a question. They're going to kill Otis. I swear to God, if they kill Otis, I'm going to cry. Um, me too. I'm going to fucking lose it, Gina. Oh my God. I... I'm going to have so many questions. Casey has more important stuff on his mind. Like, okay, like he could get injured in the fire. Gina, what? It's going to be rough and devastating and as brutal as they've ever done in a premiere. And it's going to have fallout that stretches beyond the premiere. And like, what other responsibilities would Stella and Severide have? Like, I just, I don't, I can't. And, like, Alberto Resende, like, the fact that they, like, see him from another company and have to decide, like, would he be a good fit if it's he won, especially in the face of what they see in the first episode. I just, I, I can't even. Don't get the kill I'm not, I'm not okay right now. Like, I already want to cry right now. Like, I'm not okay. I'm, like, doing the math. And I'm like, no! <laughs> okay, deep breaths. I'm scared. God, I really wish we were watching the premiere together. I wish we were going to be in the same place. Okay, I feel like we should go through med, but now I don't really want to. I just kind of want to hide. I don't want to do anything. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do anything. Um, but let's go through med. Okay. So, season five premiere title, Never Going Back to Normal, is about, quote, big changes that are happening in all of our characters' lives. Executive producer Diane Frolov describes... For starters, Connor departs the hospital on a very satisfying and very emotional note. EP Andrew Snyder also promises a complete resolution to the Doc's relationship with Ava, as well as the mystery surrounding the death of Connor's father. Elsewhere, last May's finale 
car crash leaves Natalie with a traumatic brain injury, and we will reveal how serious it is in the first episode. Plus, April and Ethan are grappling with the idea of possibly having the child together, and Maggie gets a diagnosis in the season opener. And then the bonus spoiler for that is Nat and Will's potential reconciliation is very much on hold following the accident, and her current beau, Philip, is not giving up on Natalie at all. Okay, if Connor is getting a satisfying exit, he's going to the Mayo Clinic with Robin to help treat Cece. I'm going to put some good out into the universe after that devastating fire forecast. Yeah, but like very emotional. I mean, I guess just because he's leaving, but yeah. Also, I want that complete resolution to the Ava stuff. Like, it, ha- it better be nothing less than complete resolution, or I'm going to lose it. I feel like with the Ava stuff, I mean, there's really not going to be any way that's going to satisfy everybody, right? No, and it doesn't say satisfying, but it says it's a complete resolution. And it better be, like, I better have no questions after that. I had a headcanon the other day thinking about this situation that I'll text you later. It's not quite ready for air. Podcast? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I. I, I mean, ugh, the fact that Philip's still around, I just. I know. I feel like we're gonna be yelling at the screen and be like, "Go away, Philip! Like, move." Yeah. Just. Bye. Bye, Philip. I hope Natalie is okay. Yeah. We're just gonna cry through all three hours. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's going to be a, oh, Lord. I'm not even going to want to watch PD because I'm going to be so emotionally distraught from fire. I know. Or med. Med might destroy you first. Yeah, med could destroy me first, too. Fuck it. I wish we were going to be together to watch this, like, so bad. Do you want to fly from the East Coast to the West Coast to watch it with me? No, because you leave the next day. On the 25th? No, I'm in Seattle that whole week. Oh, no. Right. Oh, right. You're on the West Coast. Yeah. Right. So we're going to be three it. hours apart, which is going to be weird. So I'm going to see them before you are. You are. Oh, fuck. This is not going to go well. I know. I love you so much, but I'm totally not going to, like, be able to respond to you for hours. Shit. And you're not even going to help me live tweet? This is going to be a fucking I can't. Disaster. I mean, I might be able to tweet with the West Coast, but even then, that's not guaranteed. Like... It's going to be so funny when I'm trying to escape, like, a fancy work dinner at, like, X time. And I'm You're going to have to turn your phone off. You're yeah. going to have to turn your phone off to yeah. delete Twitter for the night. Like, yeah. I'm literally going to be like, I'm really sorry. Your question is very important, but I really have to go. Something very important is happening right now. Like, I can't talk to you. My friends are stuck in a mattress factory, and I have to make sure that they get alive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want me to read the PD one? Yeah, go ahead, because I just remember, like, blurbs of it. When season seven opens, Antonio is missing, and the intelligence... <laughs> Your face was great. And the intelligence unit will ultimately figure out what's going on with him. On top of that, the team must uncover who killed newly elected Mayor Brian Kelton. Even though he's part of said investigation, the prime contender is Hank Voigt, which leaves Halstead wondering, could the next guy or could the guy next to me have really done this? 
Meanwhile, Ruzik is trying to put on a brave face, but his night in jail is making him realize he's not great in small, confined spaces. Oh, dear Lord. Elsewhere, some pretty major personal things are in store for Burgess and Upton bonds with undercover cop Vanessa Rojas. Okay, so... Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's also the bonus spoiler, which says... There's potentially another interesting intra-team romance happening in Season 7, I'd reveals, before adding he's not sure if it will be fully realized or not, but it's something we're talking about and writing toward. It's Jay and Haley, right? It has to be. I don't know. I feel like that makes it seem like there's another one in addition to this, like in addition to Jay and Haley, because we've talked about Jay and Haley, but like I feel like, I don't know. I mean, we haven't met Rojas yet, but I'm already shipping Row Water. Oh my god, please. It can totally happen. Please. But, so the only reason I say is, like, another interesting, and, like, they're not really sure if they've fully realized or not. Like, I'm pretty sure we all realize that Jay and Haley's a thing. And, like, needs to be a thing. And they've kind of already started writing towards that. Well, we've realized it's a thing, but Jay and Haley apparently have not. No, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they've already slowly, even if it takes them another fucking season and a half or whatever like they've slowly started writing towards upstead you know what i mean right and the fact that they're not like they're kind of writing towards this like i don't know the other part of this that gets me is that they're talking about jay being like could the person i work with really have done this jay where have you been the past seven seasons babe like where have you been you know what like hello season four premiere when you have that conversation with Lindsay about the whole Justin Voigt killer thing. Like, come on now, Jay. And the whole thing with Polpo when Jay ran up to Voigt and Al oh, and was like, you can't yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you know who you work for, Jay. Right. Um, also, on the other side note, like, Antonio's missing? What yeah, the whole- that was interesting. Like, what is happening with the Dawson family? Like, what the hell? So what what do they do? Does he just drop off the face of the earth? Do they kill him? Does he fess up? What does he do? Right. Like, do they find him? And John Zayn is actually making, like, a surprise guest appearance. And then they send him off to rehab. Like, I don't know. Like, what the fuck? There's a lot of questions about what they're going to do with Antonio. But I... Again, the only way I will accept it is that if he went missing and ended up in Puerto Rico. The only way this could end up being okay. I will accept that if he goes off to Puerto Rico to be with his sister. But, like, I don't think my heart could handle two major character deaths in one night. Oh, please don't go there. Well, you know, I'm just saying. I, my <laughs> heart could not there. handle that. Please don't go there. I will. What if we have a major character leave from all three shows on premiere night? <gasps> I mean, I guess we technically... Uh, we're going to have two. Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm, like, already crying. Well, no, <laughs> we're already going to have three, actually, if you count Ava. So, I mean... Brenna's yeah, crying, y'all. <laughs> I, like, can't handle this. Like, you talked about them killing Antonio. Like, don't go there, Gina. I'm not I, okay. I, I never said I wanted it to happen. I'm just saying my heart cannot handle that. Yeah, mine either, clearly. (laughs) I always thought I would be the first one to cry on the podcast. (laughs) No, I cry all the time, so it would definitely be me. Oh, my goodness. And and we're two, (laughs) we're like three weeks from the premieres, and we're already like a mess, so. (laughs) 
I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this either. <sighs> I try to put my head out of keep my mind off of it until then. But Premier oh. Night is really gonna hurt. I can't believe you're not gonna be on the fucking like in Dallas. I can't believe it. I'm sorry, I know, I know, and I'm gonna be on West Coast time. Anyway. You can text me, though, while it's airing. You can text me, like, all of your feels. I mean, I'm just probably going to be at, like, a dinner or something. No, I know. But, like, if you can't respond and I'm, like, spoiling, like, it's not the same, Gina. No, I'm so sorry. I know. It's fine. It's fine. I know. But think of it this way. Once we get to the crossover in episode four, I will be back and I will be ready to go. Oh, my God. You're going to be gone. Dear Lord. We'll talk about that offline. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be out of the country for episodes two and three, but I will be back and ready for episode four. Dear Lord. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a rough couple weeks, y'all. It really okay. is. So the anyway. crossover. <laughs> yeah, speaking of said crossover. It's happening in episode four. Um, it's going to be very nice and chill. You know, everybody's just going to sit around, have a happy hour, get some wine and cheese and just chill. No, I'm kidding. It's going to be a mess. Um, okay. So here's what we know so far. And this is kind of from all different sources that we've had. So there's a Bears game involved somehow, right? Uh, Yeah. Everybody's at a tailgate. That's all we know. Yes. Like everybody, which is Something I did not know I needed in my life, but I really needed that in my life. Part of me for a second was wondering, because when Derek took the picture from the tailgate they were at, there were there were Packers fans in the distance, right? And I think, if I remember correctly, aren't the Bears playing the Packers this weekend in week one? I think so. I don't know anything about NFL, but I will Google it real quick. I mean, I don't either, and I'm playing fantasy football in my office, and I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Literally no clue. I checked my roster this morning. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. I was wondering if it was going to be some sort of NBC promo, but I guess not since we haven't seen anything. So this is legit the crossover. It's on NBC. Yeah. Tomorrow's Packers at Bears on NBC. Okay. Okay. So and it's they play legit again. They play again on December 15th. Okay. But so that's a Sunday, right? December 15th? Yeah. Probably. I don't know, though. I only know that because my birthday's on a Saturday and my birthday's the 7th, so. Yeah, it is on a Sunday. It's at 1 p.m. Maybe it's a Sunday night football promo. No, I'm just kidding. So they, yeah, they're at a Bears game. I mean, everybody's there in their Bears gear. Oh, Tori's there. So Tori's okay. Okay, Tori's not going to die. <laughs> I was not as concerned about Natalie dying, but. Okay. All right. I'm going to shake that off. Okay. One person's alive. Whew. Okay. So, yeah. Um. Uh, Everybody's there in their Bears gear. They're super cute. There were a lot of funny behind-the-scenes videos. Everybody looked adorable. It was just like... I love it. Yeah, it was great. And, like, neither one of us speaks NFL, but also, like, where the hell was our invite? Right. Seriously. We like sports. We can hang. Yeah. But that's why, like, I I didn't know I needed, like, all of them hanging out and going to a football game together. Yeah. But, like, I needed that. Like, I needed that content. I need that content in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the videos were super cute. I mean, Miranda posted a video with Jesse Soffer. And then, like, Jesse Spencer was there, too. And I think Taylor was there at one point. So it's just, Taylor's like, there. All the girls are there. Yeah. Like, I, I love it. Yeah. So 
It's going to be cute. And so while we're all freaking out about this, we're like, ooh, a tailgate. Oh, my God, they're having so much fun. Derek is off in the corner doing his maniacal laugh. And he's like, episode four will be three hours of straight up intense, all consuming, all casts, all the time, high octane, crazy crossover. Oh, dear Lord. Let us live. I mean, I love it from like a crossover standpoint because I love the fact that like they're all crossing over with each other and like all the time. Like, I love that idea. Um, And that's what makes this universe so special. But like, oh, my God. (laughs) I know. Dear Lord. I know. I know. Dear Lord. So also on TV line, TV line kind of did the Lord's work this week, didn't they? Well, yeah, really the last couple of weeks. Thank you, TV Line. Yeah, thanks, TV Line. No offense to Emily. We still love you. You know that. Uh, yes, but yeah, TV Line, Lord's work. So they did a whole article with Derek, which is where the, we got that quote from, and they basically summed it up as such. So they said, Dick and I came up with the story. This is what Derek said. They came up with the story, and then Derek is writing the three episodes, which will be really fun. I have a million questions about that. I just want to be like, Derek, please tell me everything. How hard was it? How awesome was it? How little sleep did you get? Like, how? Tell me everything. Should we already start prepping our questions for him for May 2020? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Uh, so Derek says, you know, I haven't written med since the med spinoff episode, but you'll see why that's feasible because it's less about each show having its own shape to it and more like all three shows really intertwined throughout. You could be watching any hour and be like, wait, is this PD? Is this med? Is this fire? We're even doing scenes that you would think would be a med scene, but it's in the fire hour. So I love it. Yeah, it sounds like it's more so going to be like a three-hour movie than like a succinct crossover. Because even in the like even in the most seamless of crossovers, you can still tell the fire hour, the med hour, the PD hour. Yes, and then he continues on and says, or it says like, as for the feel of this year's crossover, which kicks off with a mysterious illness, he likens it to two classic movies. We were trying, we were thinking of like Poseidon Adventure or like Independence Day where you've got a bunch of stories cutting to one, cutting to another, and there's a mystery, both medical and criminal, going on that we're trying to solve before it gets out of hand. Uh, okay, cool. Um, I'm guessing the Poseidon Adventure is an 80s reference? I don't know. I've never seen... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen either. But, like, I have so many questions about this mysterious illness thing and how it ties into what we're going to talk about next. Yes. With, like, like, I just... I have so many questions. Okay. So let's just move into, I guess, the spoiler TV stuff. So spoiler TV gave us a bunch of episode titles. Um, so let's just go through them real quick. So Chicago Med, episode six, titled Infection. PD episode three is now called False Positive, was apparently originally supposed to be called Initiation. Chicago PD episode four is now called Familia was supposed to be called Brother's Keeper. Episode 5 of PD is Brother's Keeper. Episode 6 is No Regrets of PD. Episode 7 of PD is Infection Part 2. And Episode 8 is Informant. And then you go Fire. Episode 4 is Buckle Up. And Episode 5 is called Infection Part 1. So, like, what I really don't understand is like, what these infection episodes are that don't match up. Like, it's episode five on fire, episode six on med, episode seven on PD. And, like, why is it called infection on med, but then infection part one on fire? Like, wouldn't it be, like, infection part one, infection part two, infection part three? 
Huh. I, I don't know if that's quite right that they're not matching up. Because, I mean, they've never done that with One Chicago where the episodes get off by one and, like, one is on episode five, one's on episode six, you know? Right. And, like, why they're named weird. Like, I feel like maybe that could be something that comes back and we're like, oh, that was actually not what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, but if it is the way it's actually supposed to be, I have so many questions. And, like, why are they called infection if they happen, regardless of which episode they are, if they happen after the crossover? Yeah. And that's weird that the fire portion, the fire portion is infection part one and med is just infection, like you said. But if I remember correctly, fire is supposed to lead off the crossover. So technically fire right, should this be first. Would be- but this would be after the crossover. Yeah, the, the, I don't think these are quite right. Right. But I will say if they are right, then episode four of like the PD half is called Familia of the crossover. And the fire half is called Buckle Up. So interesting. Yeah, it's it's going to be nuts. Legit nuts. I'm scared. Yeah. 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 Um, elsewhere, hey, don't forget, we've got a tea Public store. We've got merch. Yes. We've got a lot of shirts now that you can choose from. I want to say at last glance, I think we have about 20 shirt designs that you can choose from now. Um, and it's not just shirts, you know, it's mugs, stickers, different things like that. Um, we are having a blast designing these. Like, yeah, it'll pretty much happen where, like, Brian will wake up every morning with middle of the night text from me. Like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Oh, hey, I changed the coloring on this. Like, what do you think? It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. And you guys have been loving them, which is awesome and makes us just really happy to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And we're always working on new designs. So, you know, just stay tuned. But, yeah, definitely go to Tee Public, get your shirts, get your stickers, you know, rock your love for the shows. Yeah. And yeah, um, other than that, you know, Chicago Heroes event is in two weeks now, which is crazy. Crazy. Go get your tickets. Yeah. Yes. Before you, before it's too late. If you've ever wanted to look Taylor Kenny right in the eyes, which like, hi, I've always wanted to, this is your chance. This is your chance. Yeah. I'm trying to be really cool about it on the inside, but I'm, like, freaking out. What, that you're going to see Taylor Kinney or just, like, that it's happening or both? Both, but also that I'm going to see Taylor Kinney. And I'm probably going to look him right in the eyes and be, like, blinded. It's like looking at a, looking at an eclipse with no glasses. I'm just going to be like, oh, my God. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> you're already just like oh shit Gina pull it together <laughs> but I know I'm excited to spend like five whole days with you I know. I'm like, really excited same same I like or four, four yeah. whole days four whole days but still it's gonna be awesome going to be awesome so let's get into the episode shall we yes or episodes really it's plural yeah so it's funny to me how we picked this episode for the Flacco stuff, but also like there's so many other things that happened alongside it. Oh my God. And that's why like too, like, cause we were talking about it we were like, we should do a Flacco episode. And then I like looked at it and I was like, Gina, but like, we kind of have to do both of them just because of how much like, like it really starts with like one ten starts it, but then it like kind of drops all the storylines like 
I mean, there's so much that happens, and then it really kind of concludes in one eleven. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there's so much and like iconic stuff too. Like yeah. even some of the cases, like I was like, oh right, like that call. Like I remember that call. I didn't realize it was like one ten, but like I remember that call. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. Let's start off with the Cruz and Flacco and Leon stuff. It's kind of the elephant in the room, right? So we start off in a dream, which we don't know is a dream, but it's dream. So Cruz goes to see Flacco. He doesn't have the $10,000 he needs to get Leon out because basically Joe wants Leon out of the Insane Kings, but Flacco basically says that there's like a buyout and he has to pay him $10,000 to get Leo out. Leo, Leon, Leon. Where is my brain right now? Uh, Yeah, he has to pay $10,000 to get Leon out of this gang. So in the dream, you know, he's trying to bargain with him. And it basically looks like Flacco is about to shoot Leon. And then Joe wakes up. And so Leon stops by the firehouse. Cruz shows him the daily police bulletin that they get on a particular day. And it just so happens to be talking about the escalating gang war. And so he tells Leon, he's like, you know, I'm really worried about you. But Leon just kind of blows it off and just tells him to keep his nose out of his business. Yeah. I mean. Go ahead. Poor Leon. I know. It's like Leon's doing what he knows to do best to survive. But, like, he also knows that, like, Cruz is trying. I'm sure deep down knows that, like, Cruz is just trying to do what's best for his brother. Yeah, and I feel like there are moments throughout this episode where Leon kind of shows hints of, like, I want out, but he's got to kind of oh, maintain yeah, the tough sure. guy act. Yeah. Right. Like, he knows that he, it's better for him to just play along in the end than to, like, go against Flacco. Oof. Sad. So the truck gets called out to a drive-by in Humboldt Park, which is pretty much where all of this gang activity is happening. And so... You know, poor Cruz, every time one of these calls happens in Humboldt Park, I mean, he's like panicked every single time. This poor guy is so stressed. And so goes out to Humboldt Park. He's really scared. Now, there's like a little girl who's been shot to death, which like that's horrible. The two guys in the drive by, they've also been killed. And Joe is so panicked that one of these guys is Leon. Thankfully, he's able to breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief because it's not Leon. But Flacco drives by and he is so smug with that little shit eating grin. Like he's like, hey, I know what I did. What's up? Right. And the car that like, you know, bounces a little bit. It's just like, okay, like I'm Mr. Cool shit. Like I, you know, still run this neighborhood. Um, Yeah. Fucking Flacco. Oh, man. Yeah. And so Cruz calls Leon and he's like, listen, there's going to be retaliation. Like, pull yourself together. You need to put some distance between you and Flacco. But I guess he can't. Is he like Flacco's right hand? Is that the deal? No, I don't think he's necessarily Flacco's right hand. But Flacco obviously knows that Cruz is trying to get him out. So Flacco's asking Leon to do like a lot more than he ever probably would. Mm -hmm. Just because Leon or Flacco knows that like it's using Cruz to his advantage. It's using everyone for his own gain. Yeah, yeah. And so towards the end of the episode, this is 110 again, 51 gets called out on another call to Humboldt Park, but this time it's a fire. And so there's a gang shooting in the building. Then the building was torched and Cruz just kind of charges ahead and gets in the building. But this is something that like if Severi did, that Bowden would chew his ass out. Well, he did kind of chew Cruz's ass. I mean, 
not in the end, like not when they came back to the station, mm-hmm. but he did kind of crew or chew Cruz's ass out in the beginning because, you know, Bowden's like, Cruz don't go in there and Cruz just doesn't fucking care because mm-hmm. he thinks that Leon's in there. And so he's so upset and so distraught that like Leon may be in there. He's like, fuck this. Like, I don't care. Like, shoot me. I really don't fucking care. Yeah. And the part that kills me about this is that he doesn't really ever clue in the firehouse as to what's going on. He just tries to handle it on his own. And like, it's the firehouse, dude. Right. Like, I think he kind of mentioned the fact that like Leon had gotten into some shit because like this has obviously kind of been happening for a few episodes before then. Because I think it's the episode before this where like Leon gets beat up and whatever. Mm-hmm. By Flacco. But so I think they kind of have maybe some idea, but obviously they don't know to the extent mm-hmm. of like what's happening. And so, yeah, people are just like, what the fuck is Cruz doing? Yeah. And so, I mean, he just like barges his way in and he basically finds his way around the shooter, like figures it out. And so he just charges ahead in this building and they get everyone out of the building. Cruz just decides to go on up to the top floor by himself. He's like, screw you guys. I'm going to the top. And Casey's like, yo, wait for me. What are you doing? Well, <laughs> Cruz opens the door and there is Flacco in this room that is burning to death. And so he just kind of he can't help him. But like you see, he like really contemplates it and you see it in his face. But once he commits, like that's that. And I I remember it taking him longer to contemplate whether to go stay or leave. But I guess it didn't because I mean, I feel like he made that decision pretty quickly of like, I'm out. Right, he recognized the moment that, like, if Flacco's dead, then Leon's out of the gang life. And to him, obviously, Leon means the, his entire, it, Leon's his entire world. Mm-hmm. So, he, it, like, he hesitated for a brief moment, but it was like, okay, boy, bye. Like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, which, which like. just wild. I couldn't imagine making a decision like that. Like, it would eat me alive. Well, and it. I mean, as we'll talk about later, like, it does eat him alive. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And so, I mean, this is, but this is, like, a really formative moment for Joe. Like, I don't, we don't get the Joe we have today if this doesn't happen in season one. No, not at all. Not at all. Like, it kind of hardened him, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he killed somebody. Yeah. I mean, not, like, it's not the same thing as, like, shooting a gun at someone and like or beating someone to death but he killed someone yeah he let someone die knowing that he could have saved them saved him easily that's yeah i just wow our sweet little joe did that i know well and that's why it was so interesting too because based off of again i listened to the podcast before we decided to do this week's episode and so it's so interesting to hear joe minoso say that like they almost cut off Cruz because they didn't realize that he could like, if fans could get behind him. Cause that's like a big thing, like killing someone oh, and like huge. doing it on purpose and like being like, no, I killed someone. And then, and not have it be like a superhero show or something. And like still having it be like a believable moment because like, I think about it too, not to compare everything to one tree Hill, but like that's what changed Dan Scott. Yeah. And made him, I mean, he was already someone who was hated and nobody really liked Ian Scott, but like, you can't come back from that, like in the One Tree Hill world. He didn't come back from that. That's a really interesting parallel because I don't think I've ever given the Dan Scott part 
any thought beyond like he killed his brother. I don't think I've ever really deep dived into that. And so that's an interesting parallel you draw because there was I don't think there was ever any redeeming for Dan Scott, even when he saved Nathan in season nine. It was still like, yeah, but he's Dan. He did all of this horrible stuff, like murdering his brother in season four or three. Right. Three. Three. Right. Right. No, exactly. But that's what I'm saying is to the fact that like they were able to do this in a way that like, I mean, to be honest, in most times, like you kind of forget that Flacco even exists and that like Cruz even killed him. And so the fact that like they're able to turn crew, they were able to find a way to like make it so like a humbling moment in some regards. Yeah. And like ground it and like make Cruz like this lovable character in season. I mean, going into season eight is like kind of remarkable. It is. It definitely is. I, I feel like deep down Joe knows that he made a mistake, but I think he's learned to live with it and grow from it. Yeah. Definitely. But then it also raises the question of, did he really make a mistake? I don't know. That's up for discussion. Yeah. Well, it also is interesting, too, is that he's learned to kind of live with it. Again, kind of comparing that because this is the only this is the first example. I'd say like real example of like where it's not like a superhero show or something where I can think about going back to the Scott example like, Dan Scott let it eat him alive. And, like, he never came, like, he couldn't get rid of the fact. Like, it was always coming up that, like, he killed, he's the one that killed Keith. Like, he killed Keith, he killed Keith. Like, that's literally only every, like, what people talked about. Yeah. And, like, obviously Cruz, like, he was able to live with it and kind of, like, push it down. And, like, you know, we never talk about it again. Yeah, I think it's an interesting difference because in my mind joe is inherently good and dan was inherently bad and right and that's yeah. But, yeah and that was kind of my point too though that like it's so remarkable that the writers were able to find a way to like come back from this yeah absolutely and i mean like i said before and we'll get into it more when we cover 111 shortly but i think casey's reaction probably had a big part to do with that It's similar to when we talked to Derek about introducing Stella and he said that kind of went a long way that Gabby already had like the seal of approval for her. I feel like it's similar to that. Right. But I think going off of what you said, though, about the fact that like Cruz is inherently a good person. And I obviously genuinely believe that. But this was episode 10. Right. Like we didn't know that. That's true. Like we like we know that now, but we don't we didn't know that back then, like when this aired. Which is so crazy to like, grasp. They really could have done whatever they wanted to with yeah. this character. It's true. That's true. And I, I forget that when we watch these old episodes that, you know, at this point when these aired, these people were strangers to us. Right. Essentially, I mean, this episode especially, because it's not like even two, like when you watch, like, say, an episode from season one of Med. Well, at that point, they'd still already done, like, three seasons of Fire and two seasons of PD and whatever. Like, we already had that world established. Like, this point, we're literally ten episodes into one Chicago. Right. Like, one Chicago as a whole. Yeah. We don't know anything, you know, Antonio Dawson, well, he exists, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, PD doesn't exist. Like, those characters don't exist. Med does not exist. Justice does not Like, you know, all those characters, like, it doesn't exist. So here's a question just out of curiosity, but 
you know, if we think in one Chicago history, any character who has killed another character aside from Hank Voigt, because like that list is long. But did your opinion of Antonio change at all following last season's midseason finale? It's so hard because I don't know necessarily if my opinion of Antonio changed or if I was just so frustrated over the fact that like, or if it was colored by the fact that I was so frustrated with the fact that the writers weren't giving him more. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I'm really angry at Antonio or if I'm angry at the writers for not like doing a better job. Okay. That's and like seeing that like Antonio obviously like ever really since he came back after justice died off that like they didn't really give me Antonio anything. Like there was no real good Antonio stuff. And so I don't know if I'm more mad about that or if I'm more like mad at Antonio in his actual actions. I can see that. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, if I think about it, I know I got frustrated with Antonio towards the end. I got frustrated with him for letting Ruzik take the fall. Yeah, you were really mad at that. I was really mad after the finale. And thank God that audio will never see the light of day. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There were a lot of F-bombs. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think I was mad at Antonio, but again, like, I think it was more probably colored by the fact that I was like, what the fuck are they doing to Antonio? Not what is Antonio doing? Right. Right. So interesting. So Joe is just racked with guilt. Like he's a mess. And so he calls Casey, but Casey is actually at the prison visiting his mom. And so I love that Casey was the first person Joe turned to. Yes, I, and again, I know we talk a lot about now how the fact that, like, Severide, like, Cruz and Severide kind of have that relationship ever since Cruz moved to squad, mm-hmm. but, like, God, the OG Casey Sever- or Casey Cruz relationship, solid. The, the solid respect that Joe has for his lieutenants and his captains and his chief, like, the respect that he has is just so, like, nice. Right, and the fact that, like, of all people he went to Casey. Like, I guess he and Otis weren't crew. Like they weren't Crotus yet at this point. Right. But like, like, you know, I would have assumed he would have gone to him first, mm-hmm. theoretically, but like he went to Casey. And I think that says a lot. Cause he was comfortable turning to his Lieutenant, which I love. Right. And just, again, oh, it's so good. That relationship was so good. He just respects the shit out of everybody he works with. It's just so sweet. I don't know why. It just is. Yeah, he definitely does. I mean, yeah, he definitely does. Yeah. So elsewhere in 110, aside from the crew stuff, we've also got the case of the week and we've also got Casey's family. Now, Casey's family, I mean, this we I don't think we've talked about Casey's family in like multiple seasons. Like Christy, his sister, and his niece, they pop up like a season or two later, but that's it. We haven't seen or heard from them since. Yeah. And like we've kind of, I think, maybe mentioned it once on the podcast, mm-hmm. like maybe in the Hallie stuff, like when we talked about Hallie, but like we've not really like talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so the case of the week is that Truck gets called to this fancy apartment and she basically there was like a kitchen fire. She was frying eggplant, which like I'm a terrible Italian, but I actually really hate eggplant, which is like so against my roots. Yeah, I don't like it at all. It's totally against my roots to say so, but like, I don't care. It's disgusting. 
But uh, yeah, and so she basically leaves like a small kitchen fire. There's nothing serious. They're in and out. But as the truck is driving off, she runs out freaking out because there are diamonds missing. There's apparently like a diamond necklace or something worth like $50,000. Could you imagine? Wild. I would sell that sucker immediately. Well, and so that's what I, they kind of pander the camera, like, so that it ends, like, you see, you know, like, Mill sitting there, and Otis, and Mouch, and then Casey, and then you see Cruz, and it, like, pauses on Cruz for a second, Mm -hmm. and they make you think that, like, Cruz obviously took it to sell so that he has enough money to get Leon out and just pay off Flacco, Um, so it's, like, kind of a fake out, but, yeah, Yeah. they just assume that someone's going to steal it and sell it because it's dope. So internal affairs shows up, our favorite people over at IAD. They show up when Trent gets back. Yeah, I know, I know. Including Casey's nemesis. You guys, this is back when Casey had a nemesis. Like, (laughs) yeah, back when Casey had a nemesis. But now we have Casey who, like, wouldn't hurt a fly. I feel like Casey has some nemesis. Nemesi? Nemesi? Nemesis? What's the plural of nemesis? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good Anyway, continue. So he's got a nemesis named Griffin who now works for IAD. And this Griffin guy, I wanted to punch him in the face. Never mind Casey. But Griffin and Casey went through the academy together. And then Griffin started started saying shit about Casey's family. So Casey laid him out. Like there's this is such a like I don't want to say sassy, but this is such a rough version of Casey. Like this is a ballsy version of Casey. And I got to say, I liked it. Yeah, this is definitely not, like, married alderman, like, No, this is, like, chip on his shoulder, like, get the fuck out of my way, Casey. Yeah, I love it. Also, the plural of nemesis is nemeses. (laughs) Oh. Like, N-E-M-E-S-E-S. Learn something new every day on this podcast. (laughs) We really do. (laughs) So, yeah, Griffin and Casey went to the academy together. This version of Casey is fantastic because he's just not taking any bullshit he's just like fuck all of you i actually really like i don't know because when when captain casey when lieutenant casey became captain casey we spent the whole episode repeatedly calling him an asshole so why is it that we love this version of casey but not the asshole captain casey version of casey i don't know i I think it's just because, like you said, like, this episode, it's not him being an asshole to other people that we like. It's him being an asshole to people who deserve Deserve it. it. Yeah. And people we don't know and don't care about and don't have attachments to. And it's funny because even with his own sister, he could be an asshole to her and he's not. Yeah. It's interesting. So, yeah, um... Griffin, because he's not, you know, enough of an asshole, he even makes a snide comment to him, like, in the locker room. He's like, how's your mom doing anyways? Like, you're such a dick. Right. And he knows because he knows it's going to set off Casey. That's why he does it. Because it's like a dark spot in his life. It's like the darkest spot in his life. Like, why would you? That's so awful. Right. Especially if you know Casey literally punched you the first time because of that. Like, are you trying to get punched again? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's why we're okay with it is because Casey's being an asshole to someone we don't care about. I don't like. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he was mostly an asshole to a lot of people we care about when he became captain. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So Otis starts doing some research into this family that is accusing 51 of taking the diamonds. And he finds out that, you know, they're selling their entire art collection. Basically, Otis starts, like, compiling evidence. He's our little detective in this episode. And Casey just kind of blows him off. But I also feel like this is not the first time that this happens. That, like, Otis plays detective, he gathers some really solid evidence, and then Casey just blows him off. I feel like it happens more times after this. Yeah, I was going to say, technically, it might be the first time, because those happen times all happen after this. Mm-hmm. But, yes. Um, I think it was him being an asshole, but it's also, like, are you doing too much, Otis? Because, again, if this is the first time, like, at some point it just kind of becomes a character trait of Otis's, and you're like, okay, whatever, Otis is going to do this. But, like, at this point, like, if it is the first time, then it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you digging? Like, what are you doing? But I feel like everyone on fire has gone full detective at one point or another. Right. But, again, all after this. True story. Like, we have to, again, remember that this is literally 10 episodes into this. They probably, I don't think anyone went full-on detective before this. I want to say, like, hey, everybody, let's cut Otis some slack. But, like, if I say that and then they do kill him in the season premiere, like, it's just horrible, (laughs) awful, terrible irony that I am not here for. Stop jinxing things, Gina, please. I'm not trying to jinx anything. I'm trying to be real. Anyway. um, But, yeah, I do love Sleuth Otis. Yes. So, Brian, will you take it from here? And I, yeah, I love how he points out to Casey. He's like, you literally, no, you don't just sell your entire art collection unless you need the money. He's like, your family, your kids sell your art collection. Hell yeah. Like, you do not sell your art collection. I um, think Otis has spent his fair share of time watching Lifetime movies and things like that. Yeah. And, like, he even goes so far as to claim it's an insurance scam. And Casey's like, again, kind of like, are you actually, like, is this a thing? Like, are you bullshitting me? Like, what is happening? Um, And then Otis even goes so far as to order a background check on the family. Like, a background check. And apparently they're in financial ruin, and, like, the we don't meet the father, so I'm just going to call him the father, this, like, the patriarch of this family, let's put it (laughs) that way, Um, has, like, been investigated multiple times for, like, all kinds of, like, financial, like, scandals and whatever. So then Casey's like, okay, maybe Otis is, like, actually onto something. And he goes to tell Griffith Griffith about the possible scam. And, of course, Griffith's like, well, yeah, fuck this. Like, I'm just, no. Like, no, no, no. So then Casey decides to go back to the woman's house and tell her, he's like, ma'am, I just want to let you know we're about to drop off these thermal imaging cameras at the police so they can review it you know, the footage of what happened because they were recording the entire time, you know, like, we're on it. Like, I promise you we're on it. And then, of course, as it turns out, that was exactly what he needed to say to get her to drop the case because we all knew it was a lie. Okay, in my mind, that action of going to the woman's house and making up the story about the thermal cameras, that's dumber than ordering a background check. Yeah, because it could have backfired on him completely. Yep. But I don't think Casey does that without the background check having been ordered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So moral of the story is everyone be nicer to Otis. (laughs) Exactly. So 
Then it's kind of the scene, again, another family scene for Casey. So Casey's sister ends up dropping by the firehouse. And, you know, Christy mentions that, you know, his niece Violet's been asking about him ever since I saw him at the cemetery. And she says, you know, she's like, I've been without my brother for too long. And Casey's like, well, I've wanted nothing more for than us to, like, be in each other's lives. But, like, she still doesn't – she wants them to have a relationship, but not if he's going to continue to defend their mom, which she even says. She's like, you know, like, don't you miss dad? Like, why – you know, like, why is this? But, like, that's kind of the end of that. Casey doesn't really answer. Yeah, which, I mean – I don't know. I have thoughts about it now knowing how it shakes out, but it's interesting to think that like, you know, once upon a time we watched this and didn't really know what they were referring to. I know. Wild. Yeah. So crazy. Wild. So yeah, that's the end of the case of the week. Like Casey family stuff kind of tied in all of that for at least episode 110. Mm -hmm. But let's move into Jossie. So, the Dossie stuff's interesting, because, again, like, Dossie are kind of in this, like, they're first, like, are we, will we, won't we, like, you know, whatever. And so, Dawson mentions potentially, to Shay, like, potentially asking Mills to, like, her cousin's Christmas party, and, you know, she's, like, Shay's like, no, like, you should ask Casey, like, family functions are usually reserved for serious suitors, so, like, why not ask Casey? Yeah. And so keep going. I put that tidbit in the wrong part of the outline. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I was like, well, I don't understand. Um, so basically, like, Dawson finally asks Casey to, like, go with her. And, like, it's kind of the cutest in some ways. And she – and so she, like, asks – she, like, mentions that she has this Christmas party. And, you know, Casey's like, oh, so you need a date. And she's like, I mean – yeah, I mean, I, I just really need a friend to bring her along. And he's like, okay, well, like, maybe you should ask Match then. But, like, if you're up for a date, like, tell me what time to pick you up. Oh, okay. Um, I have figured out I why can't. Matt Casey has no game. Do you know why? Why? Because he used every ounce of it up and then some on this one moment. <laughs> like, Matt Casey has never had a take my breath away moment aside from this one. Like when he's like, Oh, if you need a date, tell me what time to pick you up. I'm just like, Oh, like I need to catch my breath. That was beautiful. <laughs> right. Especially how she's like, I just need a friend very long. He's like, Oh, well, if you need a friend, like ask Mouch. But like, if you want a date, like, Oh, it's so cute. Um, and also sexy as fuck. I know. Like iconic, iconic. If Casey is going to use up all of the game he has, like, in his lifetime on this one moment, you did good, Matt. You did good. <laughs> you know what I just got me thinking about, though? What? When cassette eventually happens. I don't know when, but eventually happens. How cringy is that, like, ask out going to be? It's going to be pretty damn cringy. I know. But we'll always Ugh. have this moment. I know. Thank Thank God we got one good moment. Like the one, the game and just like the, uh, uh, the smoothness of it all. He's like, tell me what time to pick you up. Like that is a gentleman. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so we go to the Christmas party and Casey's like talking to her family and Dawson ends up like pulling him away, whatever. And she's a, a little tipsy, but nothing like too crazy, but like a little tipsy. 
And, you know, they end up, you know, it's a little small talk, whatever. And she ends up, like, asking him, like, if they're just here as friends or, like, if this is, like, actually a date. Although, I feel like she already knew it was a date because he said, like, if you want to bring a friend, ask Mouch. But, like, if you're up for a date, like, whatever. Anyway. And so, and then she, like, leans in for a kiss. But he, like, stops her and, like, goes for the kiss on the cheek. And what he says, he's like, you know, like, it's not a good time because it's worth doing right. Ugh. And then she gets all, like, awkward or whatever. But, like, go ahead. What are your thoughts on That moment is perfect and adorable and also sexy as fuck up until the kiss on the cheek. Like, the almost kiss. That room is gorgeous. They both got a little wine in them. Like, it's perfect. Right up until the kiss on the cheek. The kiss on the cheek is when I'm like, son of a bitch. But everything right. else about that moment is just, like, perfect. It's also just really interesting to think about the parallel to 208 because – or it may technically even be 209 because it's the morning after scene. But, like, when they finally, like, kiss or whatever, and then Casey's like, I should have done this a year ago. Like, you know, like, we had our chance a year ago and, like, I kind of fucked that up. But, like, I'm not going to fuck it up now. So, like, looking back on it, Casey regrets this mo- – like, regrets saying this to her in this moment. Does he even know what he meant by saying it's not a good time because it's worth doing right? I guess he wasn't fully prepared or, like, fully over Hallie. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's not a good time because – it's not a good time because if I, like, if I want to be with you, I, want like, want to actually be with you, like, fully. So maybe this was, like, their Linstead moment of, like, maybe one day, oh, definitely – Right, but at that point, Linstead hadn't actually done anything. Oh my god, Linstead didn't even exist yet. We hadn't met Jay or Aaron. What, at the time of this episode? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But I don't think it's necessarily there maybe one day, because, like, Gabby was ready for it then, Mm -hmm. and Casey wasn't. And Casey, looking back, regrets not having done it in this moment, like, being with Gabby, but, like... Obviously, everything happens for a reason. But Lynn said was like, oh, we both haven't done anything. We haven't crossed that line. But, like, we want to. But, you know, we're not going to. And, like, we know one day we will. Mm-hmm. So. This episode, these are some of my absolute all-time favorite Dossie moments. Like, I don't know what my all-time favorite Dossie moment is. But these two are up there. And I was just going to say, like, what is your favorite all-time Dossie moment? I don't know. I have to think about it. You're my miracle? No. Maybe the wedding. Iconic. Solid moment. And like it was the 100th episode. Also, it's about damn time. And for like that brief moment, moment, everything was perfect. Yeah. It's a solid choice. It's safe. Solid choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we move into the Shay and Severide stuff. Which I didn't even really put the Severide Renee stuff in here because like that. It's a whole separate thing, but it's not as important. We try not to remember that. Yeah. Although, we'll get there. I'll bring it up at some point. Anyway, Dawson and Shay, so, like, basically Dawson and Shay get called into Bowden's office, and he wants to know about, they think they, like, want to ask him about, or he wants to ask them about the necklace, but he really wants to know about the missing vials from their rig that went missing a few weeks ago. And Dawson claims, you know, he's like, she's like, oh, yeah, it's probably some junkies, whatever. But then Bowden's like, yeah, well, it's on you until they figure it out. Like, you know, what happens? 
And he's like, come up with your own story. Like, I don't really care what it is, but like, I need you guys to come up with like some legit story by the end of shift. So whatever. So then Shay ends up confronting Severide about it. Because as we all know, Shay was really stealing those vials for Severide. Because Severide's an addict. And we don't, or was an addict. And we don't say that enough. Anyway. And Severite, you know, she's, like, saying all these things. You know, she's, like, it's on Dawson. Like, I wouldn't really care if it's my ass online, but, like, Dawson's ass online. Like, whatever. And Severide's, like, I don't really know what you want me to do about it. Like, and it's just, like, Sev, that is not the right answer. Yeah, addict Severide was really tough to swallow. It's tough to swallow now. I think back when season one aired, it was just kind of, like, okay, that's who this guy is. But, you know, seven, eight seasons later, we're just, like, oh, man, ugh. Yeah, looking all back on all this, like, season one, season two, Severide stuff, it's not it's a good rough. look. It's yeah. It does, Severide, season one, Severide does not hold up. No. 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 Which is kind of partly why I refuse to believe that Renee was, like, an actual thing. Because season one, Severide does not hold up, so, like... I, I mean, yeah. I, I will say that we do get glimpses of who Kelly really is in these two episodes, but... Not in these moments. Not no, not in these moments. And a lot of these moments in these two episodes, you're just like, "Oh, Kelly, stop!" But we do see glimpses of who he really is. Yeah. So basically, Dawson and Shay end up going with the story about you know leaving the jump bag on the sidewalk at a college campus, and you know somebody probably took them, whatever. And so Dawson ends up leaving in the scene, and like Bowden asks Shay to like stand back and he like has this moment where he like looks at her and he seems to know the truth that like she was probably really stealing them for Severide, but he doesn't end up saying anything. He just kind of lets her go and like, so he's like, oh, no, forget about it, whatever. Right. But like, he like stares at her. Like he knows like deep down like, that like what she was doing. If my boss comes into my office and we just have a prolonged stare at each other and then he just says nothing and leaves, I'm chasing him down the hallway and saying, no, what, what is it? Like, that's right. awkward. Right. And so we're back at Shay and Severide's apartment, and Shay basically tells Severide, she's like, even though I love you, like, I like I perjured myself for you. I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, he's like, oh, no, you know, I'll be clean. Like, I'll be fine, you know, whatever. And she's like, you don't got it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and watch you fool yourself or whatever. And, like, Severide's, like, begging her to stay. But she just walks out. And so Shay and Dawson are on a call later and Shay asked Dawson if she could stay with her. And she's like, of course. And then, you know, cliffhanger, because this is a mid-season finale, all of a sudden they get hit out of nowhere by a truck. And it, we're like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, this was a mid-season, wasn't it? Yeah, this was a mid-season in the first episode back. Oh, my goodness. I remember, like, watching season one and dropping off for a little bit just because of, like, life and craziness and stuff. And then I had heard about this episode and I was like, did they kill Shay? That's not cool. And then I started watching again. But I forgot that this was a mid-season. And I'm trying to see the air dates now so I can see like what the gap was. Goodness. Okay, so this this aired on December 19th of 2012. Holy shit, almost seven years ago. Uh, Yeah, Ah. December 19th of 2012. And then the next episode aired on January 2nd, 2013. So... Like not that bad. Two three week break. Yeah, that's not terrible. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. That's so crazy. I feel like in 
this episode especially, it kind of illustrates that, like, when you really think back on it, there are certain times where, to me, it feels like the Shaveride friendship is very one-sided. And I could be wrong. It's just, this is what I remember. Where it's mostly that just, it was- like... Yeah, it's mostly Go ahead. Kelly doing things to Kelly. piss off Shay. And then it's all about Severide getting back in her good graces. Yeah, I think so. But I think, I mean, I think there were moments like when Shay had, like where they saw the guy kill himself, like kill himself in front of them. Mm-hmm. And Shay went like on her dark side and Shay like, or and Severide is like the only one like really worried about Shay. And Severide like calls out Dawson for like being not a good friend because Dawson and Shay were fighting at the point. And Severide's like, well, what the fuck? Like, why don't she know where she is? So I think there were moments, but yeah, I think overall you could say that it was mainly more Shay or Severide doing things to piss Shay off and then getting back in her good graces. And it's not even like intentionally pissing her off. It's just pissing her off by way of his actions. Right. And we'll talk about this at the end. Yeah. Oh, in a minute. When we get to that part. But at the end of 111, like, I mean, it's still clear that like, Severide is like Shay was the love of his life. Oh, 100%. That is like the number one question I really want to ask Taylor at Con and be like, true or false, defend this or not defend this. Shay was the love of his life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, anyway. Yeah. So that's the end of episode 110. But so again, a lot of things kind of start. And the reason we wanted to do episode 111 or yeah, 111 is because like a lot of things kind of started in episode 110, but they're not fully satisfied. So like we could have had this conversation, but it wouldn't have been as satisfying without really talking about, we probably still would have been talking about the details of 111 anyway. So might as well like actually recap it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So episode 111 is called God has spoken. Gina, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah. So the episode picks up right with the aftermath of the accident. So Gabby's kind of coming to in the ambo. Everything's a mess. Things are turned over. She's okay, but Shay is in really rough shape. Like there's blood everywhere. She's out of it. Like it's not good. So 51 shows up at the hospital. You know, they basically bring Shay in. um, And there are so many things about this moment that I love that like I shouldn't love because it's such a sad moment, but also like I love it. So they show up to Lakeshore, not Med. Um, and so they they wheel Shay away and, you know, Gabby is just a mess. Like she's really trying to keep it together, but she's also a mess. But then like she like Bowden stops her and Bowden even uses like her full name. And just like in that moment, the minute she sees Bowden, she's comfortable just like breaking down, which like to me, yeah. I'm just like squad goals. I love them so much. But yeah, the minute that he looks at her and he's like, Gabriella, like he even calls her Gabriella and she just breaks down crying like she knows it's safe and she knows it's OK. I'm just like, oh, my heart. I love it. Uh, Papa Bowden. Papa Bowden. Yep. The best. The best. And so shortly after that, because they, you know, Gabby goes to get checked out because she's got cuts over her too. Kelly comes in. And now, I mean, Kelly's a mess. He's got tears in his eyes. He's just like, where is she? I want to see her. Like, how bad is it? And you could just feel like he's just distraught in his voice and I'm just like "Mm, Kelly I'm sad you know so 
you know, they they all kind of wait around and stuff like that. And so Gabby returns to work. She gives an update on Shay because Gabby is Gabby. She's like, what cut in my leg? I don't have a cut in my leg. You know, moving on. And so they're trying to say that I think Shay has like a traumatic brain injury, which we're just like, what? It's like a mild traumatic brain injury. And so they're like, yeah, we're going to find out in the next couple hours if she's going to be okay. So in the meantime, Mills is going to fill in for Shay on Ambo until she gets back. So we're just going to kind of plant those Milson seeds. Yeah, love it. Plant them, water them, run away. And so... Severide runs out after Gabby for more information about Shay and he just mentions he's like I think it would be best for Shay to come back home when she's discharged because remember right before the accident happened Shay was like I'm going to stay with Gabby and this is not a good moment for Sev because he's 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 a dick to Gabby it's not good it's not good no and so Gabby's like no that's her call like what the hell that that's her call and he's like no I just want her to be okay But it's just not, no, it's not good. And so he gets mad at her and he goes to his locker and takes out pills and pops a few. Like, yeah, like I love Seth. I do. And I think it's coming from a place, like a good, like he really does obviously care about Shay and like wants it, like wants her to be okay. So it's coming from a place of love, but like, damn, him trying to step in and just kind of take control over the situation and like speak down to Gabby. I mean, not a good look on him. No, it's really not. And yeah, I mean, he's just, he's fiercely protective of Shay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is great, but also is kind of a detriment to him because he doesn't care what, as long as Shay is okay, he doesn't care who else he hurts in the process. Right. And so I feel like he ends up stepping on Gabby's toes a lot. Aside from just this. Yeah, he does. Because Dawson's kind of the... Again, we've always talked about, too, the fact of, like... The thing that probably really bonded Gabby and Severide... Aside from Casey and their love for Casey... Is their love of Shay. Mm-hmm. Love for Shay. And so, you, I think you really see it in this moment and in this episode. That, like... They both love Shay so much that, like... If they have to, like, kind of kill each other to, like, make her okay, they will. Yeah, they're very, like, Gabby's very understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so Gabby goes to visit Shay in the hospital and just some classic, you know, Shayson, Shawson? What did we call them? Shawson? I don't know. Did they have a thing? Yeah, I think, well, not like a thing. They had a name, though. I think it was Shawson. So just some classic moments between them. You know, Gabby's just like, you really scared me, girl. Like, don't do that again. And so Dawson goes back to telling Shay about her disaster of a date with Casey when Severide shows up. And it's awkward. Like, it's really awkward. Sev shows up and he's like, yeah, it's going to be really good to stay, like, to see you home. And Gab- and Shay's like, no, I'm still going to stay with Gabby. And, like, while they're having this conversation, Sev is just kind of giving Dawson, like, the look of like the please leave look and it's like what the fuck are you doing this is you're making this so awkward stop it yeah this it's it's so awkward like it's is again not a good look it's not no dawson's what the fuck face is like pretty spot on for all of us yeah yeah it's so then Gabby calls him out for being high and he gets pissed. He gets pissed, but he avoids the question completely. 
But like the way he talks to her in this scene, he wouldn't talk to her that way now. No, I don't even think he would talk to her like this after this episode. But Although maybe he would. He'd be like, what the fuck? You left him. Wait, what? Gabby in season eight. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, yes, but I, yes, but I'm saying like he, for the rest of the series, let's put it this way. The rest of the series where she was in episodes, he didn't really, he, they got in disagreements, but it was never talking to her like this because he's the one she ended up going to for help to like really get her, get him out of trouble with these drugs. So I, I would like to think that he kind of realized, like, how far out of line he stepped when he's like, I'm just worried about Shay. Is that okay with you? And then, like, Dawson gave him the stare, and he was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. My bad. Whoopsies. Moving on. Like, I'm hoping yeah. that that's kind of But it. again, she asks him, and he just avoids the question. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so later on, Casey finds Gabby in the locker room and apologizes for the Christmas party. At least he realizes you know, that that moment was he perfect right until the, the kiss on the cheek. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he says that he's dealing with some stuff and he has to figure it out. I feel like he was about to tell her about the mom thing. And then she just kind of was like, hope you figure it out. Bye. Yeah. She's like, you can talk to me, you know, about anything or whatever. And then it's just awkward. Like, it's just, it's so awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awkward. So Severide later pulls Gabby aside and this is like this is a this is who Severally is and so he takes Gabby outside and all he does is just look well he can't even look at her he can't even make eye contact he just is like I need help that's all he says and Gabby's just like you got it like that's perfect. it that's the scene perfect yeah. it's all you need yeah so good oh, so good so elsewhere Gabby invites Peter over for dinner. And so she's basically like, you know, she she made a whole nice meal for Shay, but then Shay obviously went back to Kelly's. And so she opens up to him about, you know, wanting to go to med school and they just have this whole wine drunk conversation. And they basically go off on this tangent about how Gabby forgets all of the bones in the body. And so they start like being all flirty and, you know, playing like, let's guess the bones in the body. And they kiss. To me, looking back on this moment, this was really kind of cringy. Kind of cringy. Really? See, I had the complete opposite reaction. I thought that was, like, really kind of sexy. I think, well, looking back on it, I find it a little cringy. I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is. Like, I kind of forgot about this moment completely. I just thought Mills and Dawson were kind of a thing from, I kind of forgot about all of this. And as it relates to Mills and Dawson, I thought they had been together for much longer mm-hmm. when, you know, whatever. And so I was looking back on, I was watching this and I was like, oh, I was like, that, I don't know. Like, I thought it was kind of sexy. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I liked it. And it goes back to what we've always said about Milson is like, they were cute for what they were. Like, you knew they were right. never going to last. But for what they were while they were Milson, they were pretty cute. Right, like, I'm not saying this is, like, I needed it to be my OTP forever or even that I, like, shipped Milson, but, like, I thought that was sexy. Like, and a great move. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I thought that was, I thought that was great. Young Peter Mills had some game. Right. Which, yeah. <sighs> Bring Peter Mills back. I just. 
I like to think that he's got he's got a wife and he's got a baby now and he's all settled down. I just I need that to happen in my life. I need Peter Mills to return to Chicago briefly. Oh, I I'm not even going to say it. It's a terrible thought. Say it. It's a terrible thought. Say it. What if and I know this doesn't happen because Charlie Barnett's got like 10 million gigs going on. But like if Otis were to die. If Peter Mills came back for the funeral, I would lose it. I would cry all of the tears. It would be like that Alice in Wonderland gif where she's like, gee, I wish I hadn't cried so much. Like, like I didn't know. Like, obviously, I love the fact that Katie came back for um, Benny's funeral. Didn't think I would get that, but like loved it. I mean, hated it because it was a funeral, but loved it. You know, loved it. I didn't think I needed this, but like. Dear Lord, that would kill me. Kill me again. Otis dying would kill me first, and then that would really just be like the nail in the coffin. Oh, absolutely. God, if Otis dies, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Also, I will say, just of note, I mean, before we move on, Gabby, of course, is too busy making out with Mills to realize she missed a call from Casey. Just throwing that out there. Which, like, I feel like I I was enjoying the makeout scene between Dawson and Mills up until that moment. I was like, good for you, girl. And then the phone started buzzing and I was like, girl. Like, it's kind of both. Yeah. It's like one of those moments where if you, like, again, like you said, you're like yelling at the TV. You're like, just answer the damn phone. But you also, like, are enjoying what's on your screen. Yeah, 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 for sure. So. Shay, meanwhile, is back at Sev's place and he's taking care of her. And this is just peak shaver ride, like peak BFF goals, everything. They're so good. And so she's like he's about to put on Deadliest Catch for her to watch or something. I don't know. And, you know, they're being super cute together. And she basically just looks at him and she's like, you know, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Right, Kelly? And... He's just like, yeah. And he just basically, you know, he tells her that he's meeting with a surgeon the next week. He's going to go cold turkey with the painkillers because that's a total severide move right there. Uh, And then he looks at her and he just says, I really don't know what I would have done if anything happened to you. Unintentional foreshadowing. Facepalm. I hate it. I hate it. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. I know, I know. And my first thought when he said that, I was like, you're going to find out in about a season and a half. Sorry, babe. <sighs> and Kelly, or Leslie looks at him and he's like, she's like, yeah, I felt the same damn way. And they hug and they're just the most perfect, adorable BFFs. And love of his damn life. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Love 100%. of his damn life. 100%. My shaver ride feels. I almost yeah. feel like we were robbed of them. I mean, we kind of were. Yeah. I mean, we were. I mean, like, we only got two seasons of it. And, like, think about, like, Shay being there for him. Although, I guess his marriage wouldn't have happened if she didn't die. But, like, think about, like, the Anna stuff. Like, Shay being there for him while he's, like, dealing with Anna being sick. Like, just think it, you know? Shay would have held him together at all of those moments that have happened since. Like, Benny dying, 
the whole Anna thing, absolutely. Like, Shay would have held him together. And Shay would have shipped the shit out of Stellaride. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, Shay would have been, like, the best wing woman. She would have been like, go, like, be with her. She would have loved it. Yeah. Right. We were definitely robbed of Shay Bride. Yes. (sighs) Brian, will you take us through the rest of the crew stuff? Yeah, so the cruise stuff in this episode. So basically, Otis reads in the paper that the body found in the fire was identified and it was Flacco, which obviously Cruz already knew that. But Casey mentions, and Casey kind of has some, I think, inkling of like something's not right. But he's like, you know, Leon can breathe easy now, like, and so can you. And Cruz is just like, ah, yeah, whatever. Like, but it's Casey just has that look mm-hmm. on his face. That, like, he can tell something's wrong with Cruz. And so Leon shows up to the firehouse with the paper and, like, is like, Cruz, did you see the paper? And Cruz, like, like, shut up. Yeah, I love how he, like, comes in and yells it. He's like, hey, Cruz, guess what? Yeah. And, like, Leon immediately knows what Cruz did. And he doesn't even say, like, he doesn't even say it. He's just like, you did this for me. Like, that's why you've been acting so all shook, all shook lately. And, like, again, Cruz doesn't really say anything or whatever. And Leon just hugs him and tells him, you know, like, they're going to take it to the grave. Like, me and you are going to take it to the grave. And even at one point says, he's like, Miss Salvaste, Miss, yeah, I haven't, my Spanish is not that great. Miss Salvaste, La Vida, like, you saved my life. Like, you know, and I just was like, oh my God. Um, yeah, I figured that that's what that meant. I was like, huh, meh? okay, I'm thinking that's what that means. So good to know I was right. Yeah. Mi- yeah. Um, and so it's just like, I mean, we don't see that much. We haven't obviously seen that much of Leon since like kind of season one, season two. But this brother relationship is like so good and like this moment just like you did this for me like we're taking this to the grave like it's you and I in this forever and you know like that's all we we, all we have is each other like it's such a good damn moment this is such an underrated sibling relationship in one Chicago it really is it's because it's we don't we don't like it's not like Jay and Will or who else am I forgetting April and Noah. Oh, yeah. I guess because Noah hasn't been on in a while. But anyway. Um, but yeah, it's because it's not like a main center one. It's something where like Leon's been in and out. And so, but yeah, it's so good. Like, Joe would die for Leon still to this day. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Underrated. And it's like, we didn't even... Right. And like, we haven't even... Which we should maybe at one point tackle, like, the Leon going undercover, like, Leon going away episode. Um, just because it's a little crossover moment. But, like, even in that moment, like, when Leon, or when Cruz thinks Leon gets shot in that limo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, Cruz is like, fuck this operation. I don't care. Like, I'm going after him. Yeah. Yeah, Cruz would do anything for Leon. It also kind of makes me curious about their upbringing. Like, oh, I would love to know more about Cruz and Leon's background. I would love to meet mom and pop Cruz. 
do they are they in the picture I don't think we've heard anything to the contrary. Like, we haven't heard anything that indicates any either one of them is deceased. But then why is Cruz taking, like, I always just kind of assumed Leon was in, like, like Cruz had custody over Leon. Hmm. Interesting. Somebody should write that down for Joe Mano, so I'm just saying. <laughs> Joe! <laughs> Joe, come on the podcast, please. Please. Just kind of clear this up for us. Um, yeah, so it just questions everywhere. Yeah. And, like, so how then, did, like, how was their upbringing so different that Cruz became a firefighter and Leon got sucked into gang life? I don't know. It's a great question, Gina. Why don't we just need to jot this? We just need to have, like, an ongoing document of, like, questions for everybody like, every single person, and then, like, when we need them, we have them, but, like, yeah. We really do. I'm gonna start that when we finish this. Good. <laughs> uh, but, like, at one point, like, Cruz is so preoccupied by all this guilt that he's having that, like, he even finds himself, like, having driven all the way to Gary, Indiana, so, like, he's just, he's so preoccupied with everything. So, he makes the decision, he decides to go see Casey, and he tries to come clean about what he did, but then Casey stops him and he I mean I'm gonna read the whole thing so Casey says he's like if you're about to say what I think you are then you and me can walk right out this door and down to the police station the second option is you sleep on this one more time and think about why you did or didn't do it because at this point I have no idea since you've told me nothing sure as hell sounds like your brother got a new lease on life next shift come to me and we either go to the cops or you shake my hand say good morning and we go about our business Okay, side note. Um, I just Googled Chicago to Gary, Indiana. It's an hour drive. That's nothing. Okay, but, like, to drive so far when you think you're probably going home from shift, like, around the corner or whatever, and to have driven an hour out of your way and not realized it, it's still a lot. This is the difference between living somewhere where public transportation is, like, big and important and living in the great state of Texas. Because to me, I'm like, an hour? Psh- that's like average any drive for us. And you're just like, well, that could still be kind of long. I'm like, no, that's nothing. So understand. Okay, but to not realize you've driven an hour. Like, I understand that driving an hour in theory isn't that long. But to drive an hour and not have really realized that that's where you were going and not have to, to not have intended to go there. Mm-hmm. That's where I was saying it's like a thing. That's true. That's true. I do love what Casey says here because it pulls the two storylines together, which in my mind, I'm just like, God, was that intentional? Like, how did they stagger this so that these storylines would match up at just the right point? Because the reason Casey is saying, like, stop is because, you know, he can relate as to what he's going through with his mom. Like, he understands why his mom did what he did. And so or did what she did. And so he understands why Joe did what he did. That's so fascinating. I've never thought about that comparison and, like, the parallel in this episode. I've never thought about it. Yeah, and it's just, it's so crazy to me. I'm just like, how did they time that to match that up so perfectly? Wow. I've never thought about that. But it makes so much sense. And that's why Casey was so willing to just say, we're going to shake hands and say good morning and go about our day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've never thought about it. I feel like any other lieutenant would probably freak out, but this was solid. This was just so good. 
Yeah. So basically speaking to Casey, cause that's kind of the end of the cruise stuff. But like, as we know, it kind of, it keeps going for a little bit, but this is like the big, that was like the end of the big like cruise guilt moment. Um, so Casey. So as we saw at the end of the last episode, Casey's gone to see his mom in prison and, you know, they're small talking a little bit. Like she asked him about Hallie and she's, he's like, I, Hallie and I are broken up. And he, she's like, oh, you know, I never liked her, whatever. <laughs> and so she then, of course, like brings up his sister and she's like, do you ever really talk to your sister? And he's like, no, not really, you know. And his mom wants to know if Casey will talk to his sister and about speaking up for her at her upcoming hearing. But I think one of the things that I thought about, and I never really thought about it until I was rewatching this, is that it's so interesting that Casey defends his mom to his sister, but he then defends his sister to his mom. Uh, hmm. Okay. Like, you know, he, like, defends his mom to his sister and being like, I'm not necessarily saying, obviously, agree that, like, she killed him. But, like, later on, she's like, you know, he says he's like, she served 15 years. Like, she paid her price, whatever. Like, he defends her. But then he defends his sister to his mom being like, you know, I don't, you know, she has every right to feel the way she feels, you know, she, you know, you killed our dad, you know, like all these things. Like, so he kind of defends his sister to his mom, but then also defends his mom to his sister. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, when he says that she paid the price, I mean, you could take that multiple ways, right? Like she paid the prices and she did her time in prison, but she paid the price and that she was abused by by his dad. Right. Yeah. And so kind of going into that, like Casey goes and sees Christy and like asks her what his mom asked him to. And that's when she says she's like, or Casey says, she's like, you know, she paid the price 15 years ago. I'm not having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Like she needed to go to jail, whatever. But like she, like now I am like she did her time, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, whatever. And he even says, he's like, I'm not asking you to forget like what she did, but like she paid the price. It's interesting. I Um, mean, I remember reading some things on like maybe maybe it was Tumblr or Twitter, but I the 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 one Chicago fans have done a really good job of like getting in Matt's head and kind of like reading his actions there. And so I remember seeing a thread a couple years back where, you know, somebody basically broke it down and was like, Matt Casey knows how to respect women. He witnessed his father abuse his mother for how many ever years and, you know, it changed him as a person. And he just like he really knows how to respect and understand women. And I always thought that was so spot on. And so it's interesting that he would defend Christy to his mom because it sounds like, you know, Christy's not really getting the the full picture. But Casey is able to be the bigger man and be like, well, she's entitled to feel how she feels. It's interesting that you say like thinking about that Tumblr thread or whatever it was that you read. And that, like, you know, Casey knows how to respect women or women because of everything he's been through. Do you think that's why? I mean, I don't know if I necessarily believe this, but, you know, the online criticism that, like, Casey, all Casey really cares about is, like, wanting to have a girlfriend and get married and, like, have a baby with someone, you know, whatever. Like, having that family, like, he doesn't really care, like, mm-hmm. he, who it's with. Like, he's just so obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... If, again, if you believe this criticism to be true, and I'm not saying either one of us do, but, like, that that's because of his family background and, like, how fucked up it was and that, like, he just wants it to be – he wants to have that picture-perfect family that he didn't have growing up. 
That is a really good question. I think part of it could be that he wants that picture perfect family. I think the other part of it might be two separate things. I think the trauma might be separate from him wanting to have a baby so badly. And maybe he's maybe he's past the trauma enough to the point that, you know, he he can move on and be like, no, I, I want a family. I want somebody like I want somebody in my life to like share my life with. So that's a really good question. But I think it, I just, you know, could be. I was going to say, like, I don't necessarily believe the, like, I don't think Casey's sole attention and or sole point of life at this point is to, like, knock someone up. Like, I, which is, like, kind of the online criticism is, like, all Casey really cares about is, like, having a girl and, like, getting her pregnant. Um, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I, yeah, I, I don't do necessarily think that, believe like, it either. Look at. I mean, look at the season finale when Gabby left. They had a fight because he didn't want her to get pregnant and risk her life. Right. But, I mean, I'm not saying I believe that part. But I do think that part of it, like you said, or, and like I said earlier, that like part of it probably does stem. His desire for a family, just in general, stems from like wanting to maybe like correct his past and like not like have a chance at the family he didn't have. I think that's a solid what if. I think that's a totally plausible, solid connection. And we need to jot down that question for any time we might be in front of Jesse Spencer. Hopefully. Hopefully soon. We're just going to like start specific documents for each actor and just keep a running list. No, we're just going to start one huge document. Like have the med, all the med actors, all the PDF, like have everybody, everyone we could have ever thought about. Yeah, but no, I think that's I think that's a great, fantastic question. It's like, you know, is that where the desire for kids comes from? I don't know. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, Casey, eventually the episode kind of ends like Casey goes back over to Christie's and tells her he's going to speak up at their mom in, at their mom's hearing in her defense. And he's like, I respect you and where you're coming from. And I hope you can do the same with me. But as it turn out, she really can't because Christie's response is like basically like turning around in the house like going to get something, coming back out, giving him Violet's school picture that she was going to give him after dinner and, like, slamming the door in his face. That is ice cold. Yeah. But honestly, though, Gina, like, I don't know if I was in her position. If I, like, I think I would probably be her, too. Right? Like, I think it's obviously hard to say because I'm not in her position. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think I would be her, too, and that, like, I don't know if I could ever truly forgive or forget a parent who killed or even just any family member or even just with friends like, you know, someone that killed someone else that I knew and loved. I never once thought to put myself in Christy's shoes. And that's interesting. I should have done that a long time ago. And so. I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, because I have not been in that position and I hopefully never will have to be in that position but like I think I probably would be at least somewhere in me would be Christy too especially if Christy was away and she didn't know the horrors of what happened at the house right hmm I'd have to think about that one Right. And then this is my gut is that I'm not saying I would be 100 percent Christy, but I think a big part of me would probably be like sympathizing with Christy if I was in her situation. Uh, I, I would I need to think about that before I make like an official stated opinion. 
That's interesting. I never once thought to, to put myself in her shoes. I probably should have a long time ago. I didn't really think about it till just now, but you know. <laughs> interesting. Lots but, of like yeah. moral quandaries in these episodes. I know. These are intense episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's in the end of episode 111. I mean, oh wait, there was something I did want to bring up. Go ahead. I didn't include it in the outline because I didn't really know where to put it. And mm-hmm. it's kind of important, not really, whatever. Is the whole like severide Renee stuff. And they're having that moment, I think it's in episode 11, where they're like, had just had a bunch of sex or whatever and they're like sitting in her kitchen uh-huh. and they're having that conversation about like Severide really opens up to her for the first time and like has that conversation he's like you know I I don't remember exactly what he says but he basically opens up about the fact that like he was once engaged to another Renee mm-hmm. and she's like well, what you know like what the bitch do I don't think she says bitch but like basically what the bitch do or how did the bitch who like broke your heart or that has my name, break your heart, or whatever she says, something along those lines. And he doesn't really answer. But I just thought that was so interesting because looking back on it, Severide doesn't open up to that many people, especially about something like that. Yeah. And especially not women. And so for him to, like, have opened up to her, and kind of quickly, too, I guess that means I have to take, like, this Renee, like, there was some, like, weight and gravitas to that relationship even though we I don't want it to be because fucking Renee is the worst but like I just thought that moment was important because it was like oh like Severin did actually really care about her and like she is an important relationship into him as much as we want to make jokes about her like she was an actual like important relationship to him was she important to him or was he just kind of latching on because he and Shay were on such bad terms Okay, but I think there's a difference between latching on, like, latching on because he and Shay were on such bad terms and having a bunch of sex and, like, you know, hanging out Mm -hmm. and, like, opening up. Like, I don't think him opening up to Shay about his ex-fiance has anything to do with, like, him reacting to Shay. I think if he had opened up about Shay to her, okay, fine. He needed someone to dump his feelings, whatever. Even if he had talked about the drugs, okay, fine. He just needed to, like, dump all his feelings out. But, like... What then compels him to open up about his ex-fiance, who I don't think, I again, I haven't watched the first, like, eight or nine episodes of Fire in a long time. But, like, I don't think we knew about this Renee yet, did we? I want to say that's the first time we've heard about her. Right. So the fact that, like, we're opening up, we're getting this brand new information, like, I don't think that's necessarily a, like, reaction to Shay. Mm-hmm. Because of what the content of the conversation was. So, like, I think, I'm not saying she's as important as some of his other relationships. Like, I think you could even argue that Brittany is more important just because of, like, that was obviously clearly a reaction to Shay's death. Mm -hmm. But, like, he opened up to her about a bunch of other things that, like, we don't know about and, like, that have to do with Shay and don't have to do with Shay and whatever. Um, So I'd argue maybe even Brittany's even more important than Renee. Mm -hmm. But... Like, I think Renee has to be included because of this and the fact that he was open, willing to open up to her so quickly. As much as I want, hate saying that because I fucking hate Renee and I want her to be the butt of our jokes for forever. But, <laughs> you know. 
I just I thought it was important, even though I didn't like we didn't do like a whole section of the outline dedicated to them that like, you know, and I think too like, not necessarily that Severide was whipped. But, like, there's even that scene in 10 where he, like, goes and gets her flowers and, like, stops by her house on a Friday when she, he, you know, or he thinks that she's home working alone. And, like, everyone in squad's, like, making comments about it. So he's not whipped, but, like, I don't know, you know. Like, he, I think, I'm not going to go so far as to say he was in love with her, but, like, he, he was, he was something for her. Yeah, I think he was more important to her than we fans think right and i don't think too especially i i maybe thought that before then but then when she came back in season five and no season six season six and derek was trolling about her and blah 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 like i don't think that helped and I was like, oh, yeah, like, she's the worst. Like, fuck this. Like, Derek's making only these nice comments, whatever. But, like, I think he really cared about her. Now that I look and back I on it, that, I think he I did, think too. He right. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. But so I just needed to bring that up. Doesn't but mean now, that we like but, her or we have to like her. No. And that's what I'm saying. I still want her to be the butt of all my jokes. But, like, <laughs> I, I think it's important to recognize that, like, that was a moment and that was, like, like, she's actually kind of important to Severide and, like, in Severide's relationship arc. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's the end of these episodes. Wow. It was a lot. It really was. So, yeah. Um... As always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's. You can also email us anytime at meetusatmollys at gmail.com. Gina, where can everyone find you on Twitter? I am at Gina Watches TV. And I am at K 13 um, As we mentioned earlier, we have our Tea Public store. We'd love to see you guys rocking some shirts at the convention i know we've seen we've gotten a few tweets from some guys or some of you guys that i think we're gonna see some and i'm really excited to see them in person but i hope we see more yes please Um, please tweet us all of your pictures with your one chicago gear like we would love that yeah we it makes our day like we'll text about it we're like oh my god did you see so and so blah 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 blah. we got the cutest text today i'm trying to let me just see if i can remember who that was from um somebody tweeted us a picture today of their little boy who's going to be at con and he was just the cutest little guy um let me see if i can find that tweet because i definitely woke up to that and it was awesome so let's see here scroll 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 that's from ashley was it from ashley okay Hang on. Lots of gifts. We had a we had a lot of conversation on Twitter today. But yeah, it was from our listener named Ashley, and it was her little guy just wearing the squad goal shirt for PD. And he's just the cutest little guy. I cannot wait to meet him at con. So please I love it. Please, please tweet us all of your pictures. Like we can't wait to see it. We can't wait to meet all of you. Just yeah. Yeah, so, and then in terms of kind of what's happening, because we kind of alluded to it, I mean, we won't get too far into our schedule in our lives, but in terms of what's happening, so our plan is to next week record our wish list, which is kind of wild that we're already, like, done with, like, going back in the vault and, like, 
recording wish lists. Mm-hmm. Like, that means, like, it's actually happening. Like, it's here. It's kind of wild. Um, so we'll be recording wish lists next week. So anything we want to see from Med, PD, and Fire's upcoming seasons. And so if you guys have thoughts on that, make sure you send them to us. And then the week after that is the week of con and we will be in Chicago. And so obviously we will have all kinds of content from you after con, but we're going to take that Friday off because. Cause you're going to get so me. many episodes about con. Right. You're going to get so many episodes about con and things like that. So we'll be technically taking that Friday off, but I'm sure we'll have an episode like that Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and you know, all every day. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll have all kinds of stuff. So, but that's kind of the plan for the next couple of weeks and yeah. Until next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.